You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. Oneofus.net and all of the shows on it are 100% subscriber supported. Please consider becoming a subscriber to oneofus.net. Keep the site and all of our great shows going and get some terrific bonus content as well. So I thought I would conjure up a memory between me and Jordan because, you know, we're talking about a memory, a movie that deals in memories and reliving the past and, you know, all the beauty and joy and obsession that can come with such a practice. So I thought I'd revisit one today and just tell Jordan, it's Promposal Day! Fuck <laughs> you! <laughs> God, that yeah, It has to do with that fucking... The the prom. That was a throwback to when we reviewed the prom and how nauseating um, we found it, especially when um, those uh, teenagers teenagers in the movie um, got so excited about prom, calling it Promposal Day because they're being honest out to prom. And um, yeah, listen to that review. It's uh, it's a good one. It's it's more acclaimed in the film, I reckon. Apparently, according to some, my uh, finest work. Yeah, that was a that was a fun review uh, of a movie that was pretty much shit. Nicole Kidman aside, Nicole Kidman and her legs. Each of one is a co-star. But uh, talking about a movie that's not quite shit, although it certainly tried to be. Uh, we're here to talk about reminiscence. Reminiscence. <laughs> Yay, Johnny Mnemonic too. Reminiscence. <laughs> Written and directed by Lisa Joy, who is the uh, creator, uh, one of the creators, co-creator. Right, uh, co-creator of Westworld, which I have not seen because I have a life. Um, I'm, hey. kidding. I'm kidding. I'm just, <laughs> I'm kidding. Hey, I'm she's kidding. not, she's I'm not a nobody. Kidding. That's a great show. I'm kidding. I, I I'm, just, I'm just really uh, loyal to the, to the original film, and also I, I'm very selective with TV, with TV series commitments. Fair. Yeah. Yeah, but I know it's it's taken off. People have loved it, and um, and I'm glad it's given her the um, you know the platform to go ahead and create uh, this film. Uh, Reminiscence stars Hugh Jackman as Nick Bannister, who is a um, I don't want to really call him like a private eye, um, although he kind of uh, almost accidentally is. He uh, basically in the near future has this operation where he has um, I guess you can call them like water tanks that are sort of like teleportation machines that uh, help people relive certain memories that are important to them. And he takes on clients. Uh, some of them want him to help them find something they lost. Others want to just relive a moment with a lost loved one. Um, him and his assistant, uh, Emily, played by Tandoe Newton, live this sort of like existence they're the only two people of consequence in each other's lives they run this operation in a near future miami where the the levy is it the levy or the dam i don't know the difference i'm so stupid sorry um but something has busted and the city is not underwater but there is like a continuous like small flood i like to call it not shit water world there you go and also in this near future the uh, whole city has become nocturnal for one reason or another. They said it in the movie, but I kind of forgot about it because it didn't seem like that memorable, but I don't know. Because the heat. Oh, is it because of heat? Pretty okay. much in the future, the Earth is really going to fuck us over because we fucked it over. So 
Uh, yeah, everyone's basically nocturnal. They sleep during the day and they exist at night. And drink. Yeah, into um, Nick's world comes May, played by Rebecca Ferguson, a beautiful like torch lounge singer who he ends up falling in love with, even though she's a client, and he eventually loses track of her. Tries to find her, cannot, but he finds out that she is sort of linked to this drug kingpin who has ties to a very, very corrupt, prominent citizen within the city. And using his uh, memory techniques, uh, his gift of reproducing memories, he tries to track her down. And one thing leads to another. It, uh, you know, it becomes this really sad, noirish love story set in the near future. So, I know I saw this movie, but I can't really remember seeing this movie. But yeah, I'm going to try and decipher this. In case we haven't said it already, my name is Frank, and with me, I've got Jordan Mnemonic. Why, hello there. And yes, this is an unofficial (laughs) sequel. Cyberpunk neo-noir dealing with (laughs) memories and pretty much the mind as sort of like this hard drive. Uh, Tell me, how is this not Johnny Mnemonic without fucking Keanu Reeves even making a slight appearance? I feel like there's a lot of movies kind of jumbled into this. No, I know. And look, I couldn't make the obvious Blade Runner jokes. Anyways, we have Santi. (laughs) Hi, everybody. I'm Santi. (laughs) I I stay away from the whole, like, um, movie comparisons thing. I like to evaluate movies on their own, judge them for themselves. The only problem here is that... I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I think this thing is just so slow. It's, it's unbelievable, the movie that's this beautiful and this legitimately well-acted, and it is thoroughly plotted, just lays there. Did anybody else feel that this, this just laid there? Yes, that's that's my biggest problem. It's like, there's so much I do like in this movie, but it's too long. Like, it <laughs> it very much, like, look, it is cyberpunk neo-noir. All right, I, all right, we already made a Johnny Mike joke, but, you know, also, uh, you can look at this and think, yeah, Blade Runner, and even something like the Maltese Falcon. Fucking voiceover, man. It was honestly one of my least favorite parts of this film. Oh, God, it was bad. I didn't mind it. No, I kind of like the, the, the voiceover as well. I'm, well, I'm a huge noir buff. Same here. Yeah, right. And it's like I go gaga for that for those kind of throwbacks. I just wish he has better things to say. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the problems. It's like sometimes the narration does make sense. Other times it's like I kind of fucking know what's going on. I I am very well aware. You know, Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. <laughs> but, that uh, has got to be his porn name. But, but I will say, yeah, the acting's really good. I honestly think Jackman gives a really damn good performance. And I always love Rebecca Ferguson. But this movie gives me lounge singer Rebecca Ferguson. And so I give the movie a point just for that. Do you know, I'm so glad that she sang in this because I know she got some um, some flack for not singing in um, in Greatest Showman. And she said uh, she went ahead and said that, well, the character I'm playing was in real life, like one of the best singers in the world. And I am not. I can sing, but I can. And there you thought, yeah, yeah, you, you just can't sing. You just, it was a cop out. I love that. In, at least in this film, she gets to sing. And those are very beautiful moments. They don't do anything to fuck all for the plot. No, but no they, they are very no, beautiful they, moments. I, I mean, but also, uh, I, I, I'm still trying to pronounce her name correctly. Tawanda. Tandawi? 
I said, I don't know if that's it's, even right. I thought it was just Thandy. Well, it was, but... She reverted back to her original name because... Um, Hollywood was racist. It was. She changed her name because she yeah, she was encouraged to do because it wasn't... Because uh, of the problem we're having now, I guess, because none of us can pronounce her name now. But we're trying. I didn't know that. Yeah, Thandy Newton was really good, too. I enjoyed her arc. Like, I especially like where her story ended in the film. She's such a great character. She really is fascinating in so many ways she wasn't relegated to just the conventional sidekick role which she so easily could have been and instead she is this really like sort of hardened damaged character and you you really are intrigued by her and sadly you're more intrigued by her than you are by by nick sometimes although i I really think jackman's really good here i think he honestly gives it his all and when the romance does start between him and rebecca ferguson I did buy into it. I was just like, yeah. It did feel like two broken souls that had found one another. It actually felt believable. Though their moments do have like a genuine feel to them. I agree with you, but they feel like in a different movie, in essence. Didn't you get that feeling? A little bit. Maybe towards the end. Yeah, because it was like, oh, we're dealing with a drug kingpin. Oh, okay. And city corruption. Okay. All right. I guess we're doing this now. I mean, it's like it's like he said in the movie himself. She's an idea in a cocktail dress. Just about everything else in this movie was. There was so many overlapping plots. It's almost like that's why the movie was so long. It's like they were sitting in the writing room and going like, oh, wait, what about the corrupt cop? Oh, yeah, that's another 30 minutes in this movie. And it's like, oh, wait, what about this and that? It's like, man, wrap it up. I mean, but but I agree. Everything that you all, you all said is true. Jackman killed it. I mean, as he usually does. Let's just be honest. The man is great. Underrated by far. Um, and Rebecca Ferguson's beauty, her singing, definitely had its hooks in me. Tandy, or however you pronounce her name, was also really good. There was very few things about this. Even the everybody casting, the casting was really well. The idea, I thought, was solid. The neo-noir was done well. Like, the city of Miami actually looked really cool, even though I think that place is shit. I thought it looked really cool. Um, the the idea that the rich are now people who are basically pushing all the catastrophe towards the, the, the lesser, the have-nots, was, was cool. But then again, it's like all these ideas kind of, like, coming together at once made for an exhausting film. An hour and 45 minutes in, I was like, man, what's going to happen? It was too darn long. Yeah, it was. There did come a point where I feel like one of the mysteries was wrapping up where this other little one was introduced. I was like, oh my fucking god. How many more plot points are there? I know a good noir story plays itself out, but man, this movie seriously could have been trimmed like 15, 20 minutes. I think that Lisa Joy, um, who's the, who's the only sole writing credit on this, didn't want to do because you know I think the standard noir does have like you it's like it's like a trail of breadcrumbs you need to go to this point and that point and that point and that point, uh, but I think she just like overextended herself I think a little bit too much here and and for a plot that it's it is a plot heavy film but so much of the plot is so flimsy 
it was like scenes that were constructed around a visual setup in in a lot of ways. I mean, the visuals are good. Every time that we end up in a scene, it's always it's a good looking scene, but the dialogue isn't always the strongest. I don't know. I, I kind of struggle with that a little bit. I don't know if anyone else felt that same way. No, absolutely. I agree. I mean, the visuals in this movie are stunning. When it's beautiful, it is just nicely captured and has, you know, this sort of bluish green tint to how just shitty everything looks, which I do like. And I actually do like how they actually do make this uh, hellish, almost underwater Miami look. Like, I liked seeing the, you know, boat taxis and how it's pretty yeah. much become like venice the transformation of it uh, yeah, yeah exactly yeah. it's it's very yeah. good but yeah this movie drags there are points where i'm like this could have been trimmed down just a little bit i i, I know i suffer this too sometimes with my writing a bit of first draftness you know this is lisa joy's like big feature debut where she couldn't quite bring herself to cut anything yeah. And yeah, I, I do agree. I like the structure of breadcrumbs. It's like you got to follow them to get to. But it's not tight. It's not a tight script. No, it's not. It, it does meander. And I will say I do like the ending. Another thing I do like is the blended structure, like how we get caught up because we're not shown that it's like, oh, this many months later or this many months ago it, it like everything is seamless really the transition of time i don't want to give them too much credit with that aspect only because i know that the only reason that we don't do that we don't they, they, they that they didn't do that and we don't see it is because they could use the device of well that everything that came before is just a memory now, now we're in the present oh just kidding that was a memory too now we're in the actual present day oh just kidding it was all one fucking memory that was so overused. By the time he got out of that stupid tank, by the ninth time, I was like, okay, fuck Wads. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know if this is something that we need to come back to years from now. I don't know. Because there, there's enough about it that works that makes me not want to completely write it off. I think, like I said before, I think it would. I just wish it had been tighter. Because it's beautiful. It's well acted. There is elements of the plot that are involving, that are very noir. The, I think the love story is genuine, but man, this is a movie that stumbles so much. But when it gets up and walks straight, it walks really straight. So, I mean, I don't know. But I think we should go ahead and roll into our final thoughts because, um, I don't know, I'm getting kind of sad thinking about this movie <laughs> for too much longer. Uh, Jordan Mnemonic, get us started. Well acted. Again, Jackman, Newton, Ferguson. Always good to see Cliff Curtis. Yeah. Daniel Wu. Da Daniel Wu had a really, like, standout presence in his role. Yeah, him too. The drug kingpin. You know, always good to see them too. Like I said, great acting, wonderful visuals, and I do like the music too. Not just Rebecca Ferguson's torch singing, although... Aces. Look, I'm a thirsty woman, okay? Just, <laughs> just don't blame me. If I hyper-focus on that. No, that's fine. She could turn me. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah this movie drags i mean i love sci-fi noir i mean i love noir in general but like it, you know sci-fi noir i like it when it's taken with another genre but the but, but it's too long 
it 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 meanders for a bit. It spins its wheels clearly when it's trying to tackle way more than it honestly thinks it can. Yeah, <laughs> si se puede. It, it, indeed, <laughs> God, my Spanish is terrible. <laughs> I do want to recommend it, like. It's still on HBO Max. I will give it another look. Like you said, Frank, there is enough there. I want to look at it again. Maybe it'll improve on a second viewing. Maybe not. I don't know. But I do recommend this enough. It's a pretty solid enough debut for Lisa Joy. So I will say 7 out of 10 Neck massagers. Neck massagers. And your neck massager that you left under the sink. I remember that line. I was like, what are they actually talking about? What's actually under the sink? Anyway. I, I, I have no clue. I... Sex toys! <laughs> Santi. What you left out in our in your opening is that one of the reasons that people come to this private investigator is because the the private investigator and his sidekick, Fiandi, Mrs. Newton can actually see the peripherals of their memory, which means that they can see something that they didn't notice was even there. And there's an instance where he's reminding her where her mug or something is, and he's like, oh, it's under the sink where your neck massager is. And that's where, and you know, the details of this movie that are memorable is definitely why I think this movie has some some form of feet under it. Whether or not they're stumbling is remains to be seen, which is why I do agree with you guys. I think this movie deserves a second look. I do think that Miss Joy has... Well, she has an affliction. She had a really successful series that focused around humanity being somewhat turmoiled by technology, but also, you know, completely obsessed with it. In this instance, we find people that are obsessed with their memories and they come in and they're kind of like junkies looking for a fix. And that is an interesting idea. That is a great premise for a world that is dark and, and brooding. And they were no slouches in introducing that in this film. The detail is there. It looks beautiful. The acting is fantastic. The ideas are solid. And plausible. I kept thinking like, oh, this is actually like an apt view of what I think could be the future. I think the writer knew that. And they were maybe indulging a little bit. I mean, by all intents and purposes, it seems long, but it's not any longer than the average film nowadays. I believe it, it was like an hour and 56 minutes, which is not crazy long, but it felt very draggy. Maybe we're just antsy fuckers. Maybe we just can't wait to move on to the next fucking thing. Maybe we just need to wait until the right day and watch this film because we're not so antsy to move on to the next thing that maybe there is a great film there. So, you know, I'm not writing this off. Um, I did think it was cool. It reminded me of a lot of films that, that I actually love, like The Fountain and Blade Runner and the coloring reminded me of Seven, which is one of my favorite films of all time. Um, you know, there was parts where I think the, it, they, they filmed some scenes in New Orleans, which I thought looked very cool so yeah i mean all that all that said i i do think that you know there is something there which is why i won't totally kick it to the curb and i will give it a six and a half out of ten totally surprising thandy newton action scenes <laughs> because what the fuck uh that was a little bit unexpected um for those of you who will watch this film you might just be turned off by it because i thought it was a little silly Small tidbit about this film, it turns like it turns out everybody is a former fucking Merc. Like, everybody <laughs> yes. has actually killed somebody, and that's actually, I think, is a pretty cool tidbit, like, where, you know, everybody may be, like, you know, working at the local McDonald's, but don't fuck with them because they used to be, like, mercenaries in some, you know, vague foreign war. Uh, I'll say I was not surprised because of Westworld. She kicks all the ass. Fair enough. 
Yeah, but no reality or logic would allow someone to be in that line of fire that many times and not get fucking hit. That was silly. <laughs> that was actually silly. That was that was legitimately silly. And and hide behind like a like a little pole. <laughs> she wouldn't do that. She was just like, yeah, oh, whatever. You can't get me now, fucker. I'm behind a cigarette machine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, like right where my lamp is behind me is like between her and the pool. It's like, <laughs> yeah, okay. Any lines that's spoken in that scene are are come far second to that action setup, and that's one of the you know problems I have with this film. It's that this is just not a, a tightly written screenplay. The effort was made to make an involving story, to make an action spectacle. You know, the romance, the music, the world building, it's all there. And it was it was all done with care. It's just not where it needs to be to make this work. And it is frustrating because I think everybody here wanted this to really work. And the fact that we're all going to go back and give it another look after some distance, because um, I definitely need some distance. I think, I, I think we're all going to be hoping that we see something better. I really think that there are very few films that are aimed toward grownups nowadays. And I really want them to succeed, even though I'm, you know, so as a guy in an Iron Giant t-shirt. But I really do. I really want this to succeed. I know that for some people, this is going to be their jam because of all the elements we've talked about. Right now, it's not mine. So I'm going to give this 7 out of 10 red dresses because if Michelle Pfeiffer and the Fabulous Baker Boys taught us anything, you cannot be a proper chanteuse unless you're wearing a red dress. Indeed. <laughs> I love that we're all pretty much like on the full spectrum of sexuality, but we can all agree that Rebecca Ferguson is so darn hot. <laughs> I, so, so darn hot, yes. Oh, God, yes. 